You're listening to Something You Can Feel, a Black Art History podcast. I'm your all-around artsy host, Kiera, and I'd like to thank you so much for tuning in. There might be some coarse language, so viewer discretion is advised. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, just popping on to talk about a giveaway that I'm doing. So right now in my arts practice, I'm doing a lot of cyanotypes, also known as some prints, which is an old school photography process that uses UV rays or the sun to make a print. Um, and I'm doing a bunch of them right now. And I'm doing one of the piece that I'll be talking about in this episode. So if you're interested in winning some free art, a free cyanotype, keep listening towards the end for more info. Okay, hello. Hi. Hi. This is something you can <laughs> this is something you can build a black art history podcast. I'm your host, Kiera Riley. Um, I have my friend Oni here. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. You can like also not. No. <laughs> no, okay, no. cool. I feel like for me mentally, I just like I can't do a podcast like sitting in a room by myself because mm-hmm. that seems weird. So I'm like, I just need somebody to look at. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be a part of the podcast, but I just need somebody to be like, okay. make sure I don't look crazy or sound crazy. Cool. This is something you can feel. My friend Ona's here. I'm Kiera. What's up? Today, we're going to talk about a cool photograph um, that Ona is like, I, it's like a sort of secret to Ona, but like it's in the room. It's referenced somewhere in the room. Um, but before we talk about the photograph, I'm going to do a new segment. I did the thing where I uh, put, what is it, where they stick their tongue out and, like, put their hair behind their ear. I just did that expression because um, I hang out with young people and they teach me things. Um, but I'm going to do a new segment, I guess, where I talk about art shit that I've seen or think is cool that people should see. Um, yeah. So at the ICA, so the Institute of Contemporary Art in Philly at the University of Pennsylvania, um, they have a Terrence Nance uh, exhibition that's a swarm, um, which is funny because swarm is also the name of that Childish Gambino show, but this is not that. Um, But if you're not familiar with Terrence Nance, um, he's an interdisciplinary artist, filmmaker, and musician, and writer, and actor. Um, He's most known for his semi-animated film, An Oversimplication of Her Beauty. You know that one? It's really good. I really like it. Um, It was at the Sundance Film Festival in 2012. Um, It's like a romantic dramedy. It's like dramatic comedy. And it's like also like animation. And it's like a history of like all his like former relationships through like a breakup that he's going through. Um, Have you ever seen 500 Days of Summer? Mm -hmm. It's like that and like Atlanta together. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's good. Um, he's also the creative and random acts of flyness on HBO. That's yes. How That's, That's how you how know I that know. name. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it has a Peabody Award. All the artsy black queers like it. Um, there's like sketches and also there's like a narrative structure and like interviews. It's cool. It's real cool. Um, but Swarm is his first solo exhibition. Um, it's dedicated to the artist genre defying an innovative practice. Um, this exhibition highlights the artist's experimentation in film, video, television, sound, and performance during a 10-year span from 2012 to 2022. The title of the exhibition, Swarm, is a tribute to the community of friends and family Nance built around him in Brooklyn in the mid-2000s. That's the exhibition spiel. Um, Swarm brings together pieces which represents Nance's interdisciplinary approach to his practice, 
offering unexpected and alternative paths for creating work that layers video, sound, printed matter, and live performance in contemporary environments. He discards conventions of cinema, opting for modes that experiment with temporality, spirituality, and lineage. I hate exhibition yeah. statements because they just sound like a bunch of I fucking like, words. But I love when artists do that. I know. It's so annoying, but it's also- It's like, so annoying. And like, I'm also a person who in my artist statements is like, it's a bunch of random ass shit mm -hmm. and it makes sense to me. And someone else will also agree that it makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, but yeah, it is up right now at the ICA in Philly. Um, that's in West Philly, uh, where me and Ona live. Um, also on May 25th and May 26th at Union Transfer in Philly, he's debuting the first ever live performance of his debut album at Union Transfer. Um, me and my art collective will be there because we're doing a free retreat for Black artists, and that's a part of one of our things. And, and then Ona's going to allegedly be there, even though, like, this isn't a good, it's not a smart idea. Ona's partner is giving birth. My friend is giving birth. This shouldn't happen, but they're acting like the part. Anyway, Terrence Nance will be up until July 9th. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but I heard it's really great and fantastic. Um, and I plan on seeing it. Um, I know people who went to the opening and it was busted. They turned it into a party. It wasn't, it didn't seem like no opening to me. But I heard it was a really good time and that he was there and he was really nice. Anyway, okay. Another thing that I saw that was like cool, um, it was a show called Black Power Naps or La Biblioteca is open. It was at the MoMA. Um, and so the spiel for Black Power Naps, um, rest is a luxury for many. Black people in the United States are twice as likely to get insufficient sleep compared to white people. This sleep gap identified by researchers is worse for those who are undocumented, disabled, or at lower income levels. Black Power Naps is a project by artist Navil, 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 Acosta and Sosa that responds to these conditions and asks, how can we dream when we don't sleep? The artist traced our culture of constant fatigue back to the use of sleep deprivation to control enslaved people in the US. They actively reject this legacy and claim power and rest, inviting you to imagine a world in which leisure, downtime, and quality sleep are available to all. Visit this interactive installation to practice rest. Rest is a form of rep reparations or repairs for historical and ongoing injustices. Gonna let that car pass outside. The, pay the space is designed to feel like a ship rocking you to a state of relaxation on soft mattresses, cushions, rugs, and hand-dyed fabrics. Listen to the calming sound soundscape that surrounds you. Watch projected images, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so I went to this exhibition, and it's like, so I guess they travel around the nation during these, like, sleep-ins, mm -hmm. where they have people, like, sleep inside of, like, gallery spaces or museums, but also do, like, I guess, theater performances. But those were, like, projected onto this, like, screen mm -hmm. in this room at the MoMA. And then there were like couches and I guess it like kind of felt like it was rocking. And then like at the back there was like a library, but it was weird cause it was like a private room and it's called like black power naps. But like the black people were getting access to like the power napping couches. It was just like all the like non-black people were on the couches. And so it was like funny enough, the black people were not power napping but it is like, I don't know, it was a cool uh, idea. I just think mm -hmm. things go to the MoMA and it's like, or things go to galleries and they're not as cool. Right. Um, but it was like they these big ass, like kind of clout looking like beanbag chairs and like a couch that you could like lay on and like 
kind of sit in while you're like, you know, the moment is very bustling. And then there's like this very dark room. It was cool. Um, I know at some point during this exhibition, they also did a sleep in like at the MoMA where like, I don't know if it was just mm. black people or just people in general, like slept, slept in places like galleries throughout the MoMA. But I think that's interesting. Um, yeah. It seems like a cool project. I just don't know if it was cool at the MoMA. But yeah, it's called the Black Power Nap. So La Biblioteca is open. Um, it travels around the nation. Um, what other spaces has it been in? Like what other? I'm not sure. I know they're based in Brooklyn, but I wasn't totally. Also, it was like a, the, the projection they did was just shitty. Like it didn't give a lot of context to like the project and where it started it was like a lot of guesswork i don't know people just be doing you dirty they throw you in the moma and they throw you in the moma mm -hmm. yeah and then, the and then the moma fucks it up but it seemed like a cool project just like wasn't hot and the black people weren't allowed to We're power napping. nap because let black people nap let us sleep okay now to get into the thing <laughs> okay so this is the story of the 1941 photo Negro boys on Easter Sunday. Are you, do you know her? Yeah. The one I was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for context, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, for context, so um, this is a photo. This is a very typical like Chicago, black Chicago auntie on the South side photo. Um, I'll describe it in more detail, but it's in my house because I am a typical Black Southside Chicago auntie, essentially. And Ona's like, oh my God, it's here. Ona, I did a Sanyano type of it, which is a sun print. Because um, I'm an artist and it's a part of my studio practice. But Ona's like, oh, it's that one. Yeah, 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 it's that one. Okay. So to describe the picture, um, the photograph is like, it's a photo of four boys and they look like they're between like 12 and 14. Um, and they're on top of a Pontiac Silver Streak. They're all wearing their like Easter Sunday's best. Um, they have those like 1940s suits that look like zoot suits, kinda. Um, one of the little boys where you can, it's like posing where you can see he has these like really cool socks on. And they all have these like really like fancy and kind of elaborate hats, um, except one who's like in the center. Um, the photo was taken across the street from the Regal Theater in Bronzeville on the south side of Chicago on Easter of 1941 by photographer Russell Lee. Um, for extra context, these are all little black boys because it's a black art history podcast. And this white man, Russell Lee, is not black, so we won't talk about him that much because he's not important, but he's relevant because he took the photo. Um, but he's a white man, um, and he was sent to document uh, the effects of rural poverty during the Great Depression as a part of a photography project from the Farm Security Association. Have you ever heard of this mm -hmm. thing? Yeah. Yeah, it's like the... Um... There's this whole like federal works. Mm -hmm. The federal works progress administration, but this was also part of the New Deal. Mm -hmm. Um, what was that Roosevelt? Yeah, and like there's like a funding for art. Yeah, all of these, like, yeah. Historic like oral histories. Yeah. And photography. Yeah. Yeah. There's some really cool. Um, I think a really interesting like archive of like Black life in like America is the slave narratives, and obviously people are like. I think people don't think like talking to enslaved people was like very interesting and like fruitful, but it was. And like people sent people around the nation to do that during the reconstruction era. And that was cool. But a part of this project um, was uh, a part of the New Deal and Roosevelt, I guess, was trying to be like, look, we need to pay farmers. Um, and if we pass these like New Deal 
bills, laws, whatever, um, we can like pay farmers. And like this project is to show like, look, like the effects of like agricultural poverty and like it's shitty. Um, but this is just like, yeah, really interesting archives that you can find. But as a part of Russell Lee's project, um, he was documenting the effects of the Great Migration, where Black people left the South in large numbers to move north, um, often landing in urban areas. Um, Russell Lee worked with a photographer, Edward Ruscom, um, to spend a few weeks in Chicago taking photos. According to Ruscom, he couldn't do the Great Migration without showing where the migration went. Migration went to the city. Um, they took more than 400 photos across um, Bronzeville, outside of Easter celebrations and clubs, lounges, and in residential areas. And on this Sunday, Lee and Roscombe had visited a large range of churches across the city. Um, and they arrived to the Regal Theater around noon on 47th and Grand Boulevard. Um, I went to high school, not too far from there. Um, the Regal was a nightclub, a theater, a music venue, um, and was built in 1928, which is, I think, the year my great grandma was born. Um, it cost $1.5 million to create and it seated about 3,000 people. Um, it was a white owned business, but it was mostly employed. Most of the employees were black and served a black population. Um, and in the 20s, they would show silent films and showcase hella blaz, blaz, jazz, blues, and R&B performers. Um, Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, Stevie Wonder, Ella Fitzgerald, The Temptations, Miles Davis, who I just learned beat his wife like real bad. Um, Nat King Cole, Duke Ellington, Paul Robeson, we're near the Paul Robeson house, um, the Jackson 5 and B.B. Key. Um, in June of 1962, uh, little Stevie Wonder at the time um, recorded his famous live version of Fingertips. Um, and this was a really cool tour because um, I guess as a part of his, this tour, he would open for Marvin Gaye, Smokey Robinson, and the Miracles. Right. Yeah. Um, and allegedly, the Regal Theater is where uh, Aretha Franklin was first crowned the Queen of Soul, mm. allegedly. But the thing about, like, Black people in, like, major cities is that I feel like they're always claiming, like, Martin Luther King, we did this first. We was the first people to ever think of barbecue sauce. Mm. And so who knows how true that is, but allegedly. Um, and then in 1968, for three days, the Japs, the Japs. The Jackson 5 opened for um, some old town acts, including Gladys Knight and the Pips. Um, the shows would usually open with a movie followed up by a musical act. Um, and, but once TV and radio and all that stuff came out, the business declined and was closed in 1968 and demolished in 1973. It is now currently the home of the Harold Washington Cultural Center, which is named after Chicago's first black mayor. They do lots of community events. When I was a kid, they did lots of Kwanzaa stuff. So I have some deep-seated Kwanzaa memories there. Um, Roy Ayers, is it Ayers? Roy Ayers, do you know who I'm talking I about? Think it's Ayers. Ayers? Yeah. Ayers, it is Ayers, um, who's a really famous jazz musician and funk musician performed at the opening of the Harold Washington Culture Center, apparently. Um, this is also a very important thing, I think, to note. Um, in 1985, the Avalon Park, so I'm from Avalon Park, and in Avalon Park, there is a Regal Theater. I never understood that there was another Regal Theater mm -hmm. in Bronzeville, but I would often read stuff that would be like, the Regal Theater on 47th, and I'd be like, these idiots don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> the, the Regal's in the Avalon. But anyway, in 1985, there was a theater named the Avalon Theater, um, and it was renamed the Regal Theater in honor mm -hmm. of the original one. Um, my favorite hot dog stand is across the street, Maxwell Street, Polish style hot dog across the street. Um, and it's close to like, 
where Farrakhan and them stay. Like, mm. it's like near the, like, I guess headquarters of the nation. I don't know if that's of the nation of Islam. I don't know if that's their headquarters, but like, that's where Farrakhan and them be. Um, this one is cool. Um, I always liked it because it's just really beautiful and it's like kind of random. It's like a very randomly beautiful building. Mm. Um, but this one had some really cool performers. Um, Curtis Mayfield, Duke Ellington, Ella Fitzgerald. I feel like I said that about the other one too. Um, the Temptations, Whitney Houston, James Brown, Jackson 5, The Isley's Brothers, Earth, Wind & Fire, Red Fox was there, Richard Pryor, even that man Bill Cosby was there. Um, but because this one was like around a little bit later, they also have some like newer acts that perform there. Um, Ludacris, Soulja Boy, <laughs> Jay-Z, Bow Wow, Biggie, and Tupac. The relevance remains. The relevance <laughs> remains. Chicago legends. We got Common. We got Twista. We got DeBrat. Um, I remember doing like maybe the late registration or graduation era. Kanye mm. took over the Regal for like three days. And I remember being like, my man, Kanye is taking over the Regal. It was so funny when he first came out. My, I remember this conversation my mom and dad were having and they were like, that nigga weird. Who the fuck is Kanye West? He clearly can't be from Chicago because he got a song where he says, shout out the South Side and the West Side. He's weird. But it turned out to be true. Um, but... <clears throat> In 2008, the Regal Theater held a party for um, Obama's presidential nomination speech. Um, this one also went into ruin. It like looks like shit. Um, but a lot of people, including Mr. West himself, have um, claimed to like help restore it. Um, he even donated a million dollars to help the restoration. But a million, a little million, a million. But yeah, shout out that Regal. Okay, so that's the history of the Regal Theater. Um, so back to this photograph. So in the photograph, I mentioned that there are like four boys on the car. There's a boy in the middle and he, we'll talk about him later, but essentially they're all hanging on this car and they were actually getting ready to see a movie because um, the Regal Theater did movies. Um, and if you look up this photo, the reason, the reason why this photo is like interesting or popular at all is because it often comes up in historical images of Chicago South Side, especially like during the Great Migration, post the Great Migration. And a lot of people, it's just like, I don't know, if you Google like Black South Side 1940s, it's like, I guarantee you gotta like come up as the top 20 images, if not like top five. Um, but people see this photo a lot and they're always like, who are these little boys? And so in 2008, a radio station held a contest to see if anyone could identify the boys in the photo. And the winner went a trip to Memphis. Who? Mm. I don't know. But Claudia Lee Redis bought school photos of her father, Spencer Lee Redis, to prove that he was the boy in the middle in the photo. And it was true. They won the contest. Um, and so they like ended up talking to Spencer Lee. Everyone's very excited. Um, he says that like when he was like going to take, like he, this is a statement from him. I was going to the show on Easter Sunday and a white man approached me to ask if he could take a photo of me and these other boys. It's funny because I'm like, when he says going to the show, I'm like, that's a very like Midwest thing to say I'm going to the show. Um, but he says that like he kind of staged them and that he put Russell Lee in the middle because he was the tallest and the only one without a hat. Mm. Um, in an interview with Russell Lee's assistant, Ruscom said, this Ruscom is like the side guy who was with Russell Lee. Um, he described this project as working in the Negro part of Chicago. Um, so you can imagine this like very voyeuristic gaze that these like white men come to take these photos with. Um, and this is a quote from Ruscombe. It's a very funny quote. 
he's talking about some guy named Dick Wright. He said, we had a fascinating three weeks there. Dick Wright really knew everybody in the Negro world of Chicago. And I don't know if any man, any white men, had the opportunity to see it the way we saw it. Man, that was an experience. We did everything from the undertaker to the gangster. There are a lot of people we saw that we didn't photograph, although we photographed some of them. One gangster we photographed didn't seem to like. <laughs> it's interesting too. I know, it's so interesting too, because you assume in these photos that there may be some conversation that happens where it's like, hey, can I take your photo? But to realize that like, you're snapping photos and these people looking at you like, motherfucker, who the fuck are you taking my photo? And it's also like, it's interesting because photos were more of a production yeah photos like took a long time it wasn't like a quick it was like a staging had to happen but spencer lee never knew that the photo had become famous um and like he didn't know that his photo was even out there like that or had made it into any archives until the 1990s when his son saw the photo in a magazine and he showed him the photo and he was like oh shit that was like 40 50 years ago um Spencer Lee passed away in 2013, and here's some information from his obituary. He served in the U.S. Army during World War II and worked as a foreman. He was married to his wife for 65 years, and they raised four children. His daughter, Claudia, said he was a devoted family man, and he was fond of saying, work while you can. My father told me a man should always have money. Your own mama don't want to see you coming if you can't afford to even buy her a stick of gun, a gum. I don't know what that means. I can't gauge what that means. Like, it's like you're ashamed. I don't know. It sounds like, oh, you'd be ashamed if you're not. Yeah, if you ain't got no money, if you broke. Yeah. Anyway, that's the story behind that. But, wait, I have more. Mm -hmm. About more of the people? No, 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 no. It's a totally different random thing. Okay. So, um, I was just going to, I like this photo a lot. As I said, it's like hangs up in a lot of like aunties houses. And so it is in my grandma's house. It is in my actual auntie's house, blown up real big. Um, and I just like it. And I feel like it has just a sentimental value for me. Um, people like hang this up with their like photo of Obama, their mm-hmm. photo with Malcolm X and like MLK. It's like with that mm-hmm. thing, but it's like the Chicago version. Um, and so I was just gonna chat about that. But then I remembered that there's this artist who actually made a recreation of the work and it's like, very famous and uh, bougie and fancy. So, Bisa Butler, do you have you heard of this person? Mm-hmm. Bisa Butler, she's a fiber artist. Um, she makes quilts that are based on historical images of Black life. Yeah, they're quilts. This is cool because Ona likes quilts, and we were just talking about quilts. So, um, she was born Melissa Yamba Butler in 1973 in Orange, New Jersey, to a Ghanaian father, and I think her mom was Louisiana Creole. Um, when she was born, her older sister could not pronounce her name, so she called her Babisa, what would then go on to be her nickname. Um, when she was in preschool, she actually won an art competition, and this was seemingly where her art uh, career began. Um, she went to Howard, where she majored in fine arts and graduated with honors. I graduate tomorrow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, during undergrad, she mostly worked in painting, but said she never really felt connected to the medium. When she went to uh, Montclair University to get her master's in art education, um, she was also a teacher in Newark Public Schools for over a decade. So that's why she was in art education. Um, she took a fibers course that inspired her to start incorporating quilting into her practice, which she had actually learned from her mother and grandmother and just was like, oh, whatever, and like never thought of it as an art. Um, but she says right after that 
class, she ended up making a quote for her grandmother while she was on her deathbed. Mm -hmm. um, and the quote was of her uh, grandparents' wedding photo. Mm -hmm. um, and then ever since then, she just stuck to quoting. And her, her career took off from there. Um, her work often uses wax, uh, African wax fabric um, and kente cloth to make these really uh, colorful recreations of photographs that are usually sourced from historical archives, like the one you can find in this photo. And usually, um, yeah, that whole really cool documentations of Black life from like the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, all that good old vintage time. Um, yeah, and so all these quilts that she makes are essentially like reimagined portraits um, with like layers of fabric, stitching. We were just talking about this earlier. Um, and they're like really elaborate and cool. Um, she's exhibited exhibited pretty widely and was commissioned to do uh, a quilt of the 2020 person times 2020 like person of the year cover mm. whatever that is. Mm. Um, her work is also on the cover of Toronto Burke's memoir. If you don't know who that is, she's the creator of the Me Too movement. Really cool black woman that people often forget created it. Um, and in 2018, Bisa Butler created this. Um, reimagining of the four boys on Easter month, uh, on Easter Sunday. Um, and hers is called Southside Sunday Morning. It's a six by nine quilt. It's cotton, silk, wool, and tulle. Um, I'm about to show it to oh. owner real quick. Cause I think you'll think it's like funny to see it in this version. Oh my gosh. Whoa. Yeah. Um, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do a little visual analysis. So the original photo that you can find is in black and white. Um, and people have always been like, what the fuck are they wearing? Cause it's like Zutsu era. So you know, they like, are probably wearing some like colorful, um, quirky shit. And people are just like wondering what it looks like. But this photo is cool because it's like, they're all, their suits are now like all like kente cloth or just like other like African wax fabric. And like, some of their faces are with like blue, like watercolor looking like fabric. And then there's like one face that's like pink. It looks like almost has been like painted on top. Um, the little boy in the middle is the only one who has like a clear like brown face and like it looks very serious. Um, I can't tell if these are all, I guess this all has to be fabric, but it's done really well that it almost looks like painting. Um, and then the background. So in the, in the original background of the photo, um, it's cool because uh, the background it just reminds me of being in high school because it is like on my way to school. Um, and I don't know how to describe it, but Chicago has these like plazans, plazans. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's like land in the middle of the street. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's cool because like in the background, you can see like it's like a, you can tell it's like an April, like spring in Chicago. And you can tell exactly the kind of like, it's like starting to be warm and for Chicago and that means it's 45 degrees mm -hmm. and you're excited. That's like barbecue weather. Um, but like Bisa Butler's version is really cool because it's like just stripes in the background and it also eliminates the car. So they're just kind of leaning on something, but you can't mm -hmm. see what it is and you can just see the little boys um, and not the background. So it's a really beautiful image. And it's really cool because it was at the Art Institute of Chicago. She had her first solo show at the Art Institute mm -hmm. of Chicago. Um, and that photo of the four little boys was blown up huge and you can see it all over the city. So really cool. Shout out to Spencer Lee Reedus. Um, it's cool because like it's fucked up that his like image was taken and like spread around in this way that like he never even knew about. But it's also cool that like what, what, 60, 70, maybe 80 years later, it's like 
you're at the school you're at the art institute and you're like a cultural like you're now like a black cultural symbol you are like almost every black person's house in chicago yeah you are like not only like a black cultural symbol but you're also just like this cool like i feel like a lot of artists are very intrigued by this image and so it's like you're like it's kind of this like cool art historical symbol i also just feel like the the that like specific kind of the project that you're talking about that this is a part of mm-hmm. that there's so many links of like yeah Zora Neale, Zora Neale Hurston, yeah like got her start in, like in anthropological exactly yeah there's like so many reference points that like are now a huge part of like the way black people remember like, yeah our, our history and even like Ida B Wells like I feel like was like the OG of like lynching is like anthropology like studying lynching lynching is like anthropology like mm-hmm. yeah strange world we live in but shout out spencer lee um rest in peace but also mm-hmm. like real legend you know real yeah. icon um and i would love i think uh, people have obviously been trying to figure out who the other three boys are but they have to if not long gone they would have to be in their like 90s yeah yeah because they're like like they point. were 12 so yeah yeah. In the 90s. yeah 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 i wonder if ever, any of them ever got to see their faces blown up all big like that that's cool mm-hmm. yeah 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 it's also wild that we're now in like we're in a kind of era of art where people are taking these images like i think taking these images and then repurposing them in different ways yeah okay this is yeah yeah. And it's funny the stuff that gets repurposed. Like right now, I'm working with a lot of imagery from Jet Magazine, and it's funny because like I feel like my grandma would be like, "Why are you doing that? That's not interesting." But I feel like people like our age, it's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. this is like an outdated thing that we grew up with. That's like gone now." But I'm sure my grandma would be like, "Yeah, <laughs> we got a we got a little little fifty cent ass magazines. Mm-hmm. Like I don't get why you're so intrigued by this." And I'm like, "It's an archive. It's like the value, like the value, and there's like a sentimentality." Yeah. Not even a nostalgia necessarily, but like a sentimentality. Like, this is important. Yeah. But also, like, a nostalgia because I think, like, you don't realize, like, I don't think people realize magazines are gone. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I, like, grew up with, I thought I was going to work at a magazine. That's so, that, that dates myself a little bit. But I thought I was going to work at a magazine because I was like, that's what artsy people do. You work, I don't know. Fashion, devil wears part, I don't know. But I thought I was going to work at a magazine and just so fucking funny that, like, that's not a fucking career option. And like working in print is not the same. No, working in print is not the same. Okay. What are we just talking about? Yeah, so that's the Bisa Butler thing. Yeah, that was cool. That was fun. Shout out, Sprinter Lee. Mm-hmm. You have anything to add? Anything cool to say? <laughs> Should I say what I was just saying? Yeah, say what you were just saying. Yeah, so I was just saying that it reminds me, I mean, like, I was talking about the idea of like car culture and like spectacle and like really getting like being dressed like black people loving spectacle and also i think the fact that wow i lost all of what i was saying (laughs) the fact that yeah the fact that it's like we are surveillance pretty heavily and and still and still there's like this constant need for like expression and like bigness yeah and I think the other piece that I was saying is that it's interesting seeing this photo and and then I think 
we're at a moment where we have such an investment in our history mm-hmm. and like how it's being told. And I feel like in the past 15 years specifically, there's been a lot of narratives of like, why is there, why is the great migration kind of sig- like significant in these ways? And I was talking about Isabel Wilkerson's book, um, The Warmth of Other Suns and how she did this like large ethnography of people who migrated from the South to LA and Chicago and um, New York and and just seeing this photo in in that in that kind of narrative mm-hmm. like so it's interesting to hear you talk about this photo and be like oh I don't I don't know about this photo but there's all these other reference points yeah that I can like point to and be like this is connected to this connected to this and, yeah yeah and it's funny um I feel like now, like you said, in the last 15 years, everyone's very interested in like, what's up with the Great Migration? Like, how did that happen? That's like the biggest, like one of the biggest migratory movements that happened in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because like as being a Chicago kid, we are like, what, three generations now, like removed from the Great Migration. A lot of us like got planted there and then stayed there through generations. And it's interesting to talk to like your grandmas and your good grandmas and grandpas and them. Um, Cause the history book or just like the history of the great migration and like what I think is actually happening and like what you can actively talk to an elder about is like the real reason that I think a lot of people moved is like violence, extreme acts of violence. And it's like, there were better jobs. Um, White people in the North were better. And it's just like, no, like I think a lot of people when you'd be like, oh, why did your family move? I think that was a question, like, someone I knew we were, like, asking people. And we, like, kind of found this funny thing where it was, like, actually, it seemed like everyone has a sketchy-ass story of, like, escaping, like, actual physical violence. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, my uncle had to go get shipped off in, like, a night because the Ku Klux Klan was coming after him. Or my grandma is like, oh, we wanted to vote, and we get lynched if we wanted to vote. So we had to head out because we didn't want to get lynched. And then there's a sketchy-ass story of, like, what's the experience like when you get to get to where you're going like how was that like how was that actually for people you know I think it was so weird because like a lot of instances like imagine being shipped off to live with your cousin that you met twice because Mm -hmm. your cousin was the first person to go to New York and now it's like you getting out too so you're gonna have to live with Susie who you met twice yeah or you're gonna have to stay in a boarding house with some random ass strangers in Lovecraft County country they kind of show that where it's like just a boarding house full of like random people who like are newly arrived uh to chicago and like need it yeah little get on your feet and i also think part of the interest is the fact that like black people have established like so much culture in these cities and now gentrification like there's a Mm -hmm. there's this like deep threat and experience of gentrification so people are like being pushed out yeah and then I, I'm like I moved to like I moved to Philly because mm-hmm. I'm like oh but I'm a transplant in a city because I'm like oh I want it yeah be around more black people yeah so I think there's this interesting cycle yeah of like yeah how like the migratory pattern continues it just doesn't mm-hmm. stop mm-hmm. it is um, yeah. yeah funny I feel like I I didn't move to Philly with any intention I just moved here mm-hmm. but I've stayed because it's cheap um and it's like a lot of black people and like it's much cheaper than chicago if i move Mm. back but it's also interesting being here and like being here with that like 
I didn't move here because I wanted to know more black people because I knew tons of black mm-hmm. people growing up. I grew in a place that was like very black. And it's interesting to be in a place like Philly that has been very black. And then there's so many black people who like you mm-hmm. are saying like, oh, I moved here because I wanted to find more black community. But then they do come from places that aren't black. Mm-hmm. and they aren't and it changes the culture and it changes the culture yeah. and you're like coming and you're like oh you're black but you're from the suburbs and you have certain ways of moving mm-hmm. and now you're moving with black people in philly and you're trying to like police them or dictate how black culture moves in philly when philly has its own like you know yeah. culture and vibe and it has been and just because you're black and you move to a place that is black if you bring in like privilege and you bring in money that like wasn't already there you're like i don't know that's like something I don't know. It's not gentrification. It's 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 uh it's rich it's rich it's rich black people gentrification. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like class like it's, it's classism. classism. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um what else is there important for me to say? Oh, okay, so funny thing I'm gonna do. So cyanotype of the four black boys, I don't even think that's what it's called. Negro boys on Easter morning is what I think it's actually called. So I'm gonna do a raffle off of the cyanotype of this photograph so i'm gonna raffle off. i'm doing a giveaway all you have to do to get it is leave a comment on like something on here like spotify or apple i think there's ways to like leave comments do that how will they get it to me how will i know that they left a comment so when you leave a comment okay so here's what you're gonna you're you gonna leave a comment okay you're gonna leave a comment and then you can go to instagram and DM me. <laughs> stop it, stop it, stop it. So wait, I so you can DM no, this is so stupid. How do you do this? Oh no. Why don't you post it on Instagram? I'm gonna post it on Instagram, but I also want people who like oh, have listened listen to, to the podcast. So anyway, guys, so anyway, leave a comment. My email is q i a i r a one four at gmail.com. Email it to me there on Instagram. I'm at the good hood witch. At, <laughs> at the good hood witch. <laughs> Me and Ona have had wine and maybe a little something, a little smoky smoke. And so this is uh, silly, but I'm so sorry. This is too silly. Instagram DM me or email me at QIAIRA14 at Gmail. And yeah just send me the screenshot that you did this and then I, if more than one person does it then i'll have to raffle it but if just one person does it you get it so if you want some free art shit shit i don't know if i have anything else important to say do you have anything else important to say Ona? i don't think so okay the i mean this cyanotype is stunning so period yeah per yeah um happy summer happy summer bye Thank you so much for listening. You can find all the resources from this episode in the description box. There you can also find my Instagram info and ways you can donate to the podcast. If you like me and the stuff I talk about and you thought this was cool and you like art, please share with a friend or leave a review and I hope to see you next time.